Good evening, friend, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined once again by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? I haven't seen you since yesterday. I know it's been forever, man. We got we to gotta get together more often. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, you've been here. Our listeners, this will be the third one, right? This, I think this is the third recording we've had where you've been. Is this right? or just In the second? history of the show? No, since like I think three in a row, or two in a row maybe you've been here. I mean, we only recorded uh, so you aren't, in person. You aren't once. here. You aren't here today. That's right. You weren't here today. Actually, you weren't in Bloomington. Nope, back home. But you were. You were yesterday. Happy to be home. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, back I'd in your own bed, sleep in your own today. bed. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. That kind of stuff. Well, the the uh, Game of Thrones happened yesterday. That was the thing. Yep. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you feel about that? Uh, it was good. A lot of. It was not the episode was not as long as I expected. It was just a hair over an hour. Um, yeah, I was disappointed in that. But that being said, there was a lot of episode in that episode. Yeah, there they. I would not be surprised, and no one should be surprised if they take the same pace that they took last season. That things happen quickly. That every episode is going to not drag on. They are going to go from one place to the next, and it's going to happen. Right. There's no. We're we're well beyond the books here. This is not book pacing. This is TV show writer pacing. Yes. What, and, and whatever I else you want to say about the okay difference between the way uh, Benioff and White Weiss, I'm probably pronouncing both mm-hmm. of those names wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. The writers of the TV show writing style differs from. George R. R. Martin's writing style, they definitely have a faster pace. Yeah, and I, I'm on one hand, I'm a little sad because uh, I, I would like to see these things come together in long seasons. Like I wish season seven was a full, did what it did with full episode numbers, but I'm not disappointed in it because it was great. Yeah, you know, and I'm and I'm sure season eight will be the same way. Like it's. Our friend Justin had said that uh, we got to have him on the show sometime. By the way, um, mm-hmm. we we can have him talk about Lord of the Rings. How's that? <laughs> uh, right. uh, so inside joke there. We we um, uh, I'm sure that they could have. Justin had said that like he was really surprised that they resolved so many things in this, or they addressed so many things in this one episode. Yeah. Um, where he thought they would be up till episode three. I think in you know book writing mode that's what they would have done it would have taken three or four episodes to get this much out of but they're like nope let's just do this and not mess around yeah let's um why don't we talk about our other stuff and save more in-depth game of thrones talk for the till the end for the benefit of anybody who hasn't seen it doesn't want to be spoiled how how about Uh, that okay sure sure okay uh Okay, so how was your weekend? You were with me most of the weekend. Yeah. Did you play some games, some board games? I played some. We did play some games. Uh, Not as many as I – oh, no. I was going to say not as many as I liked, but I think we did good. Uh, We we went over to Chris's on Saturday mm -hmm, for a nice game day, and we played – There were several games being played. uh, A couple games of Eon's End, Legacy. Oh wait, was that that was Tuesday? We even played that. We we got to rewind all the way back to Tuesday. No, we recorded since the first time we played. Oh, did we? Okay, I think oh, wow. we talked about Eons End last week. Yeah, because we talked about uh, Kickstarters and all of that. Yes, right. Okay. Yeah, if you can 
if you can uh, forgive my my mental state from it, yeah, it was a long been, week. It's been a lot. It's been a lot. Uh, so we we did we we played some more Aeon's End Legacy, um, which was fun. The game is evolving. I was very tired when we played over at Chris's, <laughs> and I can barely remember what was happening a lot. But I I will say that progressing forward in that game, I still like it. Um, I like mostly. I like the story is pretty great. I mean, it's got a thing. It's got a thing that's happening. Yeah. And I'm it's a, I'm kind of excited about it. It's only like seven or eight episodes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty cool. It means that we will. I have a chance at actually listening to the ending and not being bored. <laughs> They're doing a thing without without spoiling the the legacy for anyone who wants to play it. Uh, they're doing a thing where you start out with really a kind of tutorial mission that we discussed last week, and then we did two missions. Uh, the The second chapter is still sort of on rails, like the first chapter, but is actually beatable. I mean, the first chapter probably is beatable, too. We just didn't know what we were doing. Um, sure, sure. And then in the by the third chapter, you're really building the Nemesis deck in a similar, not similar, but similarly to how you would build um, the villain stuff for Legendary. Um, it's, yeah, it becomes less say- on rails and more... The claim that the... the the creators of this game have made is that by the end of the legacy story, you have a copy of the game. That's really just another version of the, the original standalone eons end, which, which is pretty great actually. I mean, I, I, I heard you say that and I, it, it did stick with me, but I didn't, it didn't stick with me as much as I, 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 it should have because now that I start seeing the game evolve, I'm thinking, oh, I see. By the end of this, we can break out. This is a game that we can break out again and be a fully mm-hmm. fun deck builder in its own right that's distinct. And, you know, but you can't really do that with Pandemic Legacy or you can't do that with Risk Legacy or Gloomhaven. You can't just pull it out and say, hey, here's a game we can play. Right. I think this one, this one, this one can in a short order kind of way and half of the rules and it's really neat that when i play it next time that's the character that i built mm-hmm. you know like when you play legendary and you pick black widow her cards are her cards mm-hmm. you know but if i had had a hand in picking how that deck was built of hers and how the board is set up that's kind of neat right yeah I, that's that gives a yeah i'm really i'm digging this even more um, you know, as we go along the one thing that was kind of I don't want to say frustrating, that's more negative than I mean, but I feel like there are a lot, a lot of post-game decisions. Um, And in in a game like Pandemic Legacy, there are some of those, but it's mostly just like, here's a thing. You get this new guy, you get these new buildings. Not being intentionally vague to not spoil Season 1 Pandemic Legacy, um, Mm -hmm. also because I'm not finished with it. But in this game, it was like, you have nine piles of cards that are your market. And every time you win a scenario, you get four more piles. And you have to decide two of those new ones to keep and two of your existing ones to get rid of. And it's a big, complicated decision. It's like when you level up in some RPGs and you have to decide, or when you get a bunch of loot and you're like, which thing is but well this one's more attack damage but this one's more attack speed and it you get this analysis paralysis kind of thing which is i yeah. get it as part of the gaming experience but in this game it's there's so much of it uh 
at the end, backloaded at the end of the game, that um, feels a little overwhelming. Yeah, that you would. Yeah, you know, it's funny. They they should have. I agree with that, and I and I think a, a simple answer to that could have been that they make you do that. Those selections at the you beginning, pick at the beginning, sort of the, the opposite yeah, of how our buddy Fox plays Gloomhaven, where they always set up the next scenario when they finish the previous one so that when they right. when they're going to play next they just sit down and start which is which is that's actually they probably made it with like a fox person in mind with probably it, where his, his mentality was that way it's like hey let's just all do it so that next time when we play we can just sit down and, and i get it if you're if you're you know like me and my brothers playing pandemic legacy where it's like a game you're going to come back to every couple months at most and you're like how are we doing this how's the thing so in that with that mindset it makes sense that like once you get done playing you're like look at these piles and you're like well we thought this was going to be okay but nobody really bought it and the people who did buy it never really got to take advantage of it we could ditch that and put this one in it's like your mind is already in the game uh yeah so i think i think a lot of my negative reaction to that is just from fatigue (laughs) you're probably right because because i did i mean i don't i did something every night for the last seven days (laughs) Right, because right. I, I, I don't remember it being um, it being a big problem at, when we first did that. Uh, right. Yeah, like when we first, it, it was pretty exciting to be able to get new cards, and it kind of made us want to play again because we had new cards. Also, the second time, I had to try and make the decision with me and Chris because you checked out to go. Because uh, yeah, I had to go th- throw a wrench it. in the works of that uh, campaign trail game. C- clearly, I, I did. Um, well, the, so I liked it. I, I will say, I still, I still enjoy it. I, I, I will say, by the way, that the whole, uh, another thing that's maybe a turnoff for some people, I think it was for Chris a bit was that every time we started the game or ended the game, there was like, okay, here's massive new rules. Here's a big, huge sticker book. That's like tons of changes to the whole game shields with new rules and everything. And I don't think Chris liked that. I think he because he kept going like, "Ugh, now we've got to go through and learn new stuff every time we play." <laughs> but I think that's a side effect: the fact that there's only like seven times in here that we're going to have these things. Right. Like instead of ninety-two, like Loomhaven has, <laughs> or right where you're opening up a box every thirteen weeks. Um, this the, or Pandemic, which is there's twelve. This is only seven. So you're you're doing these rule these major rule changes every week you know which is i think it was okay mm-hmm. I, I didn't mind it I, I i actually like the idea that they introduce a new mechanic and they're really intentional with it like they use the shield one on that boss it's a big thing right right so i mean i, I was okay with it uh, but i know some people may not like that sure all right sure. so anyway we played that one um we also played what was that one you kickstarted that we played that was more of a cards versus humanity type game sparkle Uh, kitty Kitty nights yeah sparkle the game was okay i thought it was pretty fun Mm -hmm. just because it's a party game i mean our our group is there were certain people in our group who were tearing it down like crazy right off the bat i thought it was fine because you know what cards versus humanity is insanely popular cards against so many people like it did i say something you're saying versus sorry it's oh sorry cards cards against it's like humanity. it's like sorry. crimes against humanity okay cards against humanity cards against humanity uh is an insanely popular game that a ton of people and a lot of quote-unquote casuals totally like 
Um, and there are people who aren't interested in any kind of game will play that game and say, hey, you say you like games. You like cards versus cards against humanity. It, it's, and it plays – it goes into the like what is a game, right? Yes. Like there's no – when we talked about this a couple weeks ago with video games. But um, – and – and I experienced this the first time I played Apples to Apples, like 10 or 15 years ago. Um, my friend who was playing in the group, like, he was annoyed at first. And then over time, he started to have more fun. He was like, yeah, this got better when I realized that I couldn't, that it's not a game that you try to win. Like, winning doesn't matter at all. Like, yeah, you can right. keep score and you can, but it's, everything is so subjective. It's really about having a good time and making people laugh. Yeah. And, and, and that's what, and I, that's definitely I true like of this game. Some. And th that's one of the reasons that our group dislikes these kind of games. Cause they're like, what is this? Like we could sit around and joke. Like we do that in group chats all the time. Like, okay. I was hoping right. to like have to actually use my brain and have some strategy or whatever, but it, it was fine. Like the, it's, it's a very goofy, kind of theme the art and the and the gameplay style is all very simplistic it's you know very uh what's the word sophomoric humor sure sure um, but, but but you know what that that's something that that we the two of us should be better aware of that, sure. that we are very lucky to have the people that we play with the the you know we're in this group of niche people who play board games and mm -hmm. play them a lot and often with lots of people but not a lot of people get an opportunity to get together with a group of friends in general, period. Sure, sure. That's, I mean, really, to have a party or a get-together as an adult is a rare thing. And when you get to have a once-a-month kind of game night, it's nice to, like, get together and joke together like we do every single day in our group chats. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I get that, that these games are not appealing to us because of that. But it is such a great, wonderful, icebreaker, fun, lighthearted game I, to do that. I brought it with me. I brought it with me to Bloomington because I knew that I would not play it with my family. Mm -hmm. And I brought it to the table when I did because I knew that we had just finished that overcomplicated, whatever that that cyberpunk game we played was. I liked that game. I liked it was okay. Game. It needed one fewer mechanic, which is a thing Trotsky says all the time. I, sure, sure. Um, but we but like we, we had just. Didn't we also say that that makes it a different game. Sure. <laughs> Maybe one fewer mechanic doesn't make it a different game. But, sure, sure, um, sure. We also didn't play like, the whole thing. Like, like I wish, we I wish played you knew two that rounds like that took an hour yeah. and a half, and then. But you were doing good in that I game. Was, if I, remember I was. I was. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not trying to. I'm. I'm disparaging that game more than I should. Do you remember what it was called? <laughs> I don't. I wish I did because I actually kind of liked we'll it, ask, and I thought we'll that you. Chris, he bought I it. thought that you would have liked it uh, when we you played it because you were doing really well and doing a different tactic than other people were doing. Oh yeah, so, I was. Yeah, that was a. Yeah, you were like buying early. It was okay. Buying later. My something. my point is, yeah. we had just finished a heavy strategy game, and I knew that they had planned to start campaign trail when Cogswell got back, and so we were mm -hmm. gonna play another big strategy game. I was like, this is the perfect time to squeeze in a stupid. Yeah, and it, that was a good call. Dirty joke game. And that was a good call. And and actually what was funny about it is that, that everybody was complaining. Not everybody. There was a select few <laughs> were complaining and moaning about the game and trying, and trying to tear it down. And then halfway through the game, it became fun. Yeah. 
and and people enjoyed it and it got over fairly in a reasonable amount of time like it yeah. was not quick like in 15 minutes but it was maybe 30 <laughs> minutes you know yeah and i would play it again with people that are not game people like i'm sure we would be like let's play it again right you know right uh so yeah that what was the name of that so you're, i know you'll link it but what i'll was link it it's again? sparkle kitty nights there's apparently that is an the- original game called sparkle kitty i assume that it is the apples to apples to this game's cards against humanity sure yes so if you like apples to apples card but more importantly cards against humanity uh this is a game that Look at picking up because it's going to have the same kind of raunchy humor. It doesn't have not not too over the board. No, it's you put two words together and instead of your classic uh, impress the judge party game, this is a play out your hands uh, like Uno. We compared it to Uno a lot, but you play a card Mm -hmm. that matches color or symbol and the cards are stuff like. I don't know what like donkey spank. Whatever. Yeah. And so, like, you say it, and everybody laughs, because it's ridiculous, right? That's the kind of game this is. And and, and it makes you say it. You, ha- you it's have like to say it. You don't yeah. say it, you get things, right? But that's and, that's the and, Uno, that's the other Uno part of it. If you mess up your, your quote-unquote spell casting, then you get quote-unquote punished, which means you have to draw another card. And some of those are genuinely funny. Like, some of those are were, like, when someone says something and then pauses and then says the other <laughs> word, and then everybody, like, that was really funny. Right, right. Um, and, and then and then it does add a, an actual, there's a couple gameplay mechanics in there for the people who actually like playing games. It's not just a simple yeah, Uno there's game. there's some power it cards. Had the, and it some... had the, like, yeah. Well, no, it had, like, I know not to play this card because I see, like, a green card because I know the next guy doesn't have any green cards. Oh, the card backs thing? Yeah, that was yeah. that was something we didn't realize until, like, two-thirds of the way through. It's probably a big right. part of the quote-unquote strategy. Sure. And the teams thing. Like, that, that's a that's a really – it doesn't take a lot. It wasn't super complicated, but it was an important thing. You don't win by yourself. You have to win on your team. And it's the mm-hmm. – uh, what's the bang? It's the bang thing. It's like – who are you? What what team are you on? How do I suss out who the the teammates are? Which is fun, and easy, and not complicated. You know, so yeah, that was a fun game. I, I enjoyed it. I would not play with it with our friends. We'll never play it with our friends again. <laughs> but it, but unless it's you know what, unless it's a camping thing. All right. I can see it, that S- you should bring that down for camping. Sparkle Kitty Nights Legacy. Oh, camping legacy. <laughs> I thought you said campaign. <laughs> No, it's like, how does this work in a campaign? (laughs) Sparkle. I just like that you said Sparkle Kitty Knight's legacy. Well, because you said campaign. It's like, oh, when you when you beat your trend, then you can add a new knight to your to your court. Camping. 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 Yes, it's a good camping game for sure. That's a good camping game. Okay, so bring that down for camping, Uh, which happened sooner than you think it will. Um, Okay, so uh, we played that one. We played campaign trail again. I don't want to go over that game. I did not play that. So, yeah. Uh, I caught it in the end. Yeah, it's still. Yesterday we uh, we did the big main event that yeah, was ostensibly the reason is. that I stayed in Bloomington for over a week. Although, really, it was more about like then I could be there for Cardinal Night on Monday. I could be there for uh, um, Tuesday night. Uh, we recorded on Wednesday. I was there for Alley Bar. I mean, Thursday. you did a lot this yeah. week. There was not a day basically. You had maybe one day off, right? Um, maybe. I like think Wednesday or I think Friday. we successfully no, did nothing Friday. 
And <laughs> and last Sunday, uh, the the Trotskys, Pat and I sat around at their place. We watched that movie Vice, which about Dick Cheney that I don't recommend. It was terrible. And I, I know it won awards, but it was whatever. I don't want to talk about a political movie, <laughs> even though we talk about movies. That's a political movie, and it was. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I don't sure, want to talk sure. about it on the show. Um, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so that was fairly low key. But we watched that movie and then talked about politics. So it was not that low key. It was a it was a long, yeah. exhausting week. Anyway, uh, Trotsky had planned to do a big Game of Thrones board game day on mm-hmm. yesterday, the premiere of season eight, episode one, or the premiere of season eight of Game of Thrones. Uh, and when you say a Game of Thrones board game day, you don't mean like, hey, we're all playing different kinds of Game of Thrones games. That and was sort of my no. expectation, which, uh, you know, no. life is all about expectations. Um, yes. But you should have moderated. That, I should right? have. I should have. I brought down my new Night's Watch Catan that didn't get played, which is fine. Like, I was not. And why didn't it get played, Dennis? I mean, why was it because we had we didn't have enough time or? Well, by the because time we played one game, we did play one game, and by the time we got to to the end of that week of gaming, everyone was so fatigued that we could just barely play Game of Thrones, the board game by Fantasy Flight. And he said that those last two words are the most important: Fantasy Flight. So you know what you expect when you're playing a Fantasy Flight game. This is a game that takes six to eight hours. <laughs> it's a Fantasy Flight game that's not it. a card game. It has a million right. little bits. And a giant board. We also played with an and expansion a- that takes the original Game of Thrones, the board game, and turns it up to 11. And let me tell you, their their comment on there that they try to emphasize a lot that this shortens the game does not. It does not in any way shorten may- I never saw that claim. but that uh- No, it, it does. Go on their site. It says that there's new mechanics. And the new mechanic is that... There is you can buy from the Iron Bank, and there are, I guess, a few cards in there that give you forts, which is like victory points. Okay, and and that none of those came up in our entire time of playing. I don't, and if it did, it's rare. Okay, so we're gonna put chapters in the podcast like we do every week. If you're not interested in this game, if you've never played, if you don't know the details, then you can just skip ahead because sure. we're we're gonna go a little deep on this for a minute. Hopefully not too deep. Hopefully not too deep. Um, okay. And maybe I'll link the Shut Up and Sit Down review of this because it's a very good, if somewhat negative, but then with a little bit of positive at the end of this. At and the a end little of it, bit truthful. And very truthful. <laughs> uh, yeah. The two main mechanics that they add in uh, the Mother of Dragons expansion are mm-hmm. the Lannister faction, Lannister, the Targaryen faction, and the Iron Bank. They also add the House Aaron a r r y n faction mm-hmm. i think i'm spelling that right that goes in the eerie between the north and king's landing right if you're yep. familiar with the map of westeros at all uh that's not that big of a deal it just sort of complicates the westeros fighting uh but the other two are are bigger things so the iron bank of bravos turns out a card every round that you can buy with influence tokens, money, quote-unquote, and they give you something. And they get cheaper as more come out. This is a common game mechanic. 
But you buy them once and then you have to pay interest on them every round or lose one of your troops. And this is a game with really, really tight troop economy. And so that's a like, it's sort of a swingy thing. Like maybe there are victory points in there. We never saw any. Um, I know one card that got used against me seemingly, well, not seemingly, completely unprovoked was a card that just lets you take (laughs) one knight unit that's worth two and one footman unit that's worth one off the board through the course of some other negotiation that I was not proactive enough on. Those both got used against me. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, my priorities totally shifted. I would not say that did anything to shorten the game. So if anybody is telling you that the Mother of Dragons expansion to the Game of Thrones board game makes the game shorter, they're wrong. They're full of it. <laughs> they are totally full of it. it. It makes no sense because that's that's the con, you know contrary to everything. They, they have a couple expansions to this game, if you can believe it. Um, I mean, and, it's been out a while. That's one of its main issues. Is it just like... Right. We talked a lot last year about Lord of the Rings, the living card game. Fantasy Flight has done like three or four living card games since then, including one other cooperative one, the Arkham Horror game, which, if you like the theme, which I'm not crazy about, supposedly has fixed a lot of the mechanic, mechanical issues with the Lord of the Rings game. Um, okay. That's just what happens. Like, if you design a game and it's a new game in its genre, which... I don't know if giant, super long board games it's its own genre, but living card games is its own genre. Sure. Um, you do the first one, you try a lot of stuff, people play it, and you go, oh, this this part of it is good, but this part isn't. It's just like, you know, technology, we have the concept of agile, uh, you know, iteration, like small incremental improvements, which is hard to do in a board game because board games are expensive to produce. Right. And so a lot of times, in the case of a game like Twilight Imperium, another Fantasy Flight game, I think, um, they're up to their fourth edition. And now it's to a point where most people, I think including you and I, who are both not really connoisseurs of these super long games, would mm-hmm. say Twilight Imperium fourth edition better than Game of Thrones the board game. Right? Right. Yeah, but it's sure. had I mean it's had sure. four editions to get to that point. I'm sure the first edition of it was a mess. Right. Well, this one being one of the first expansions to this game, try to do it an improvement and and I'm I don't say it's it's bad it and it makes anything worse in the game. Actually, the the Mother of Dragons uh player is a neat whole neat mechanic and a neat thing of the game that I think does make it Interesting. It shifts people's it priorities does... in an interesting way for a game yeah. that is so, so uh, negotiation based. Right, but it does not. It does not improve upon the game itself. Like it, it doesn't like make okay. Now here's some rules to streamline what had come before it. So that this is not a like let's make let's make this a better edition. Let's fix some of the problems we had before and make no. It it doesn't do any of that. It literally just adds more to it. Yeah, um, and that's and it and it adds two more players, so <laughs> everything that comes with that. it can go up to w- eight. It can also play better. They have this vassal system that we didn't use because we had eight people, but it makes the game better with fewer players. Which you know, sure. if you have a core group of four, that's great for you. And right. you could actually play this game and 
and get more enjoyment out of it. I'm not sure it's a better game with four players just in terms of time. Um, right. And well, the, the, I will say, I will say that, that it was, um, it was fun. I still, I still liked it. Um, kind of, I mean, it does, it has, I'll tell you what, if anybody wants to feel the stress and tension of, uh, <laughs> people wanting to cutthroat you and, and turn on your time, this game successfully does it. Fantasy flight gets it. They get, they, the, I think that when they start a game, sometimes they're like, we want you to feel a certain way. I would not be surprised if they had people like psychologists on there or had some kind of psychology thing. They're like, we want them to feel tense or pressure or happiness or sad. Because when you're playing the Lord of the Rings game, you feel like when the threat comes with the, the shadow cards and stuff, mm-hmm. you feel the threat. Like you feel yeah. like the you know Sauron's coming and that these are happening <laughs> they they make you feel these these certain ways and when you play a healing card from say uh, a healing character you get that feeling of cuz the way their mechanics are made are, are are right on and with game of thrones this one you definitely feel your fellow players negotiation versus uh you know, are they going to backstab me at any time? And, and it's even made where we all talk to each other like, I know that you are going to backstab me at any time. And that's very Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's uh, a you can make so, alliances, but you can only ever win alone. The Mother of Dragons expansion does not make this game better if you don't like it. If you do like it, it makes it more of the same. Of what it is. Right, more of what it is. Like if you just really really love game of thrones and long tense negotiation games tense is a little bit of you know it's not always tense but it felt pretty tense i think every every time i was making a move or somebody else was making a move it was pretty tense i mean our, our buddy marcus said it's the most stressful game he's ever played <laughs> yeah it's uh right i mean there's a reason that we pull this out like every couple of years i played and, and honestly i played it I once us- and it was back in like 2012 yeah and since then there are so many other games that we have played that are long-form games that i think i don't know if this one's ever going to be pulled out again i mean i will say end of the day i'm happy to have played it i actually this is the third time i've played this game mm-hmm. um i would have been happy if i had played it one or two times yeah um and and been like i did that that's a good i don't need to ever play it again thanks for letting me play it you did great I'm done. Yeah, yeah. I would, right. you know, I would, you know, subject myself to Twilight Imperium again before I would play this again. Sure, there, there's several other long form. I mean, I'd play the WoW game again, even because it's <laughs> like I feel like I'm playing WoW when I'm playing it. Sure, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. This one is one I would not do again. So, so yeah. If if it's your thing, if you like diplomacy and, and that kind of stuff, it's it's for you. And uh, I will say at the end, we did finish it. I, honest to God, did not think that we were going to finish it. I thought that it was going to... We finished it with a little bit of time to spare, actually. Yeah. Well, that was just because it. we finished it in round six. And I don't think at, any, at that point anybody knew that... Well, Pete won, that he, that he was going to win. Right. Or, if, or anyone was going to win. If one other person had, make an, had made an action, made a decision that would have stopped Pete, we would have gone another hour. Oh, easily. It turns... Turns okay, so we Sydney and I did the math. Whoever's listening here, you're talking about like, okay. Well, how long does it take for a turn? We had eight players. We played. We started playing at two thirty, and we played until eight thirty. Mm-hmm. Yes, eight thirty. Um, so six, six hours, hours. We went six turns. Average of an hour a turn. So 
Yeah. Wow. Average of an hour. And what really ended up happening was we burned through the first four or five rounds <laughs> yeah. in the first like two hours. And then it took an hour and 40 minutes. Because there was no combat. Once combat started happening... Oh, that was the third mechanic I wanted to say about Mother of Dragons, is they added the ability to trade power tokens, which are the game's currency. Which does make the game go longer. Every time somebody is about to take an action, they're like, hey, I'm going to play this raid that's going to stop you from collecting power tokens. Like, you would have gotten three here, but now you're going to get one, and I'm going to take one of yours. Or... You can pay me one, and you can still take those three. It's all yeah, we stuff that... We extorting people. Extorting, yeah. sure. It's all stuff that extends the game out longer. It definitely extended the game. I mean, that was an unnecessary thing that you did A not... A big thing that makes it long... And I could, see, game. I could see if you have fewer players, the vassal system making the game faster. We had too many players to have the vassal system, but like in your case, you were playing Stark, and nothing of any consequence happened in the North at all. Um, Like maybe you fought with Marcus, but that didn't, who was Greyjoy, like that didn't affect the stuff that really mattered with Pete and Zahn who were playing. Which is the the number one, number one by far downside to this game is that you can play your entire game. Actually 50% of the people will play this entire game and not matter to the whole game right and and that's where i think maybe the vassal system helps because you go you know however that works you basically play one of the inactive factions right so if um you know if there were only six people playing and you had nobody playing tyrell or uh house aaron um you could you know buy them as your vassal like you as stark could play martell as your vassal and then you could take actions to affect against things going on in the south because their you know their troops and stuff are down there that Um, that would be so much better because like i i even if i I remember when there was a a hint that pete was going to win it's like well what could i have done or ever have done to stop (laughs) or start that and nothing and pete pete's response to that was well the only thing you could have done is win faster right that's it it's the race yeah yeah which is like that's yeah. You anyway, could have, so, yeah. You and to do that, you would have had to have extended out into the sea somehow, which is Stark's issue because you've got, especially in this expansion, you've got House Aaron and House Greyjoy between you and anything in the south, or you would have had to really fight against them, which is it's really hard to. I mean, all the combat in this game is so slow and so like the numbers are so small. It's actually in that way very similar to the Lord of the Rings living card game. You, I mean, you were talking about healing earlier. Like, you heal, you heal for one. Well, your hero's health is only four. So that yeah. one health is a big deal. Yeah. You know, I've noticed that, that uh, Fantasy Flight does that. They're very tight on their game mechanics. So I'm good on them. But uh, that's really what I had to say about the, the, that game was that, you know, it's stressful and intense and yeah sound mechanics it's a very sound mechanics game it's just there's probably other games that if you want to play a game for a long time yeah i just generally in general don't have the the attention span for something like that um i i mean i made a lot of mistakes in this game i was at the bottom points wise except for maybe zan who uh, targaryen who doesn't score unless they bring the dragons in and start claiming late game uh stuff late game um I mean, I was in 
a position to try to stop Pete, and I was the only one who did, or who got an opportunity to. But there were long swaths of time during this game where I was like, okay, cool. You know, Lannisters are fighting Greyjoys over there. I was uh, uh, Baratheon, so I was on the other side of the continent. Nobody was fighting me. And I'm like, well, I don't need to pay attention. Maybe should yeah, have been paying that's, attention. That's but. actually that's actually a good thing, a, a good example of a bad, yes, I say bad game, but bad things in games is that when when you can walk in the other room like I did and sit on the couch and not pay attention for twenty five minutes, that's not a good game. I mean, at any given point, a combat action between two players has at least two or three other players. I mean, especially in an eight player game, has at least two or three other players completely unaffected. And that's, yeah. yeah, that's, I'm, I'm just, it's, it's bad not, game design. Yeah, I agree with that. So we're, we're both a thumbs down on, <laughs> on that game. Not that it's a bad, we're not calling, I don't think we're both, either of us calling it a bad game. Well, maybe, uh, that it doesn't get the theme. It does. It's just, it's, go buy something it's else. It's risk reward for other how long it takes to are, play. And if you really want to spend six to eight hours, I mean, it's because we had eight players, but if you want a game yeah. that supports eight players, actually don't know too many of those you could play seven wonders that plays seven and that's going to be done in probably like 90 minutes and and really you can go play there are other game of thrones games out there that give the same kind of game of thrones feeling and you can play with your stuff and and have they're better right you know they they're just better games so uh cool all right so we did that one that was fun uh can we bring it back to Lord of the Rings yet? Is it since we're there? Right, I keep saying Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Game of Thrones. Uh, Game let's. Of Thrones. Um, I mean, we're in chronological order. Do you want to talk about this uh, trailer? This new trailer. Oh yeah, let's. Do, okay, we, yeah, we got we we got time here. We got to focus on. So let's do let's do some trailer trash real quick. A short. In a world. Not a lot to say about this one. I think we're just talking about one trailer. Yeah, which we all know the trailer, which is the Rise of Skywalker episode nine. Is it Rise? Uh, I thought it was Rise of the Skywalker. Is it the Skywalker? Because there's only one left. Uh, well, that's the thing, right? Um, I mean, is there one left? Is there any left? I don't know. Well, uh, it's right. Yeah, it's Rise of the. No, it's just the Rise of Skywalker. Leia's still alive because of reasons. Still alive. Yeah, and it's the right. It's it's called the Rise of Skywalker. Okay. So, which is funny because Luke was the only Skywalker, really, uh, besides Anakin before him. Um, and Anakin rose, Luke rose. So, the I mean, the idea is that, what does this mean? I haven't read much about it because I don't want to spoil much of anything if I don't have to on these things. Um, but th- does it, and I don't, I hate fan theories. I'm just not a fan theory person. Uh, but I, I think so that... Fun, um, I know, but it's always so wrong. It's like 99% wrong, and then you get one guy. It's like, I told you so. It's like the guy off the, with the good place where he's like, we got that one guy that got it 95% wrong. <laughs> right. Um, right. Uh, so, I, I um, anyway, so this one, who who is Skywalker? Who's the rise of it? Is it, is it, they, they're being very, very open with the fact that this is the end of the saga. This right. is the end of what they're calling their, they've they, coined and people have coined the Skywalker saga. They never called that before episode seven and eight. I mean, we've, we've known that it's been about the Skywalkers, but hmm. the directors and the, and, and Disney has come out anywhere? and said, this is the thing. 
they, I mean, people have generally said it's mainly about that. But yeah. They didn't call it the Skywalker I mean, saga. I'm they going always call back it Star to, Wars. Uh, yeah, I'm going back to the Weird Al, uh, which is, it's weird. This is probably the first time I've referenced Weird Al on this podcast, but uh, he did a song about Phantom Menace to the music of Piano Man? No. The Piano Man one was about uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Uh, no, mm-hmm. to the tune of American Pie by Don okay. McLean. Um, sure. You know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's not important, but the, the right. actual song is not important. But the title of the song is uh, The Saga Begins. Well, I think that I don't think that was the saga. He means the Skywalker saga. I think that meant like the Star Wars saga. Maybe. Um, but because I, at I, that I point, those argue... were the same thing. Well, see, I disagree with that. Unless you, I, I, unless you read other non-canonical paperbacks and no, stuff. No, no, I, 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 <laughs> I kind of. I mean, I think casually people can say that it's all about, you know, Skywalker's, but I, I do disagree with that because I think as a guy who watched these as they not as necessarily as they came out, but as a childhood and all the way through in the prequels and stuff. Yes, they deal with Darth Vader, and yes, they deal with Luke Skywalker, and they are arguably the main characters, but. They aren't never. I think when I was in it, did we feel that they were they were basically one third or maybe one half of the story. The real Star Wars is about the rebellion and the Empire. That's what it's been the whole time. Mm. Star Wars is the rebellion and the Empire. It's yeah. the wars. And there's that. Jedi's in it. Um, and if you really I know it was a kid and as a longtime lover of Star Wars, uh, Luke had some effect on the whole thing. But he wasn't the the Jedi did not affect four, five, and six to the extent that the the rebels did. Sure. Like they came and they destroyed, you know, the the second Death Star. They were the one that came down to, to Endor and did all the stuff. Luke was dealing with his dad's stuff and the Emperor stuff. And yeah, he killed the Emperor, but he wasn't there when they, you know, attacked the second Death Star and Lando came into the Death Star and blew it up. There were so many things that did, had nothing to do with sure. the Skywalkers at all. Sure. And, okay, and so let's let's roll yeah. back. You you started to say something and then said you hate fan theories. I realized that. Oh, sorry. From and you know I'm anyone who's listened to this show for a while knows that I'm less of a Star Wars fan than you are, sure. and sure. than some of our friends. But I realized that I had just assumed. And I don't know why I assumed this. Probably because she's the last, the last Jedi. The last um, Jedi. Although she's not really like luke was the last jedi um yeah yeah we watched this trailer uh you know all the good hype i mean i think if it's fun wasn't, I, it? wasn't it a fun cool I thing think, like, i think if john williams passes they're gonna have to be done with this franchise like who, who's gonna make the music <laughs> if, if that, well like the music I, is I, such I, a strong part of this franchise to me i think that they won't have any more numbered things i i it would be nice to see no more numbered things just because we can we can have our end cap and be good with it sure um we're we're getting we're gonna have just like Marvel does we're gonna get so much Star Wars coming up with the Disney Plus, um, it's gonna be great and it doesn't have to be Episode X Y Z at ABC it can just be Star Wars the Mandalorian Star Wars whatever midichlorians you know, the midichlorians yes it could be all that <laughs> so I, I'm happy for that to go this direction but the, as for this trailer specifically i liked ray doing her cool she's super cool again right off the bat Mm -hmm. you know jumping forward doing that cool backwards flip with i assume is kylo and the tie fighter Um, right right 
you you see, you get to see neat little scenes with the uh, um, the Death Star at the end. Yeah, the big stuff with the the Emperor is cackling. Uh, presumably, presumably, we don't know uh, who's laughing. Most people assume it's the Emperor. Uh, oh, I think also I think only one percent of people in the world don't think that's the emperor i mean really you're really stretching it to not say that's the emperor. yeah i don't i have no dog in that race um right right the uh lando flying the, the lando Falcon. i like okay. the meme that was going around that was like uh you know that's my ship or i want my ship back and he's like over, over my, my dead, dead body. body and then he's like ha, 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 he's i shared that side. and even as i was sharing it i was like uh is this too soon it feels too soon it feels too soon that Han dies, and Wuzi just had Solo. Which, by the way, I have watched Solo in the last couple months, like two or three times. It gets better every time you kind of watch it. I liked that movie. A lot of people didn't like it, but my, yeah. you know, again, my expectations were so low too. coming out of uh, Last Jedi that uh, it could have yeah. been anything. I mean, also, I, I, I liked I liked Solo when it came out, and it just keeps getting better. So that's a positive for that thing. And I really uh, liked Emilia anyway. Clark, so you know that was an easy, oh, right. yeah, easy right. sell for uh, me. So yeah, it, uh, the trailer was electric. It's cool. It's super hyped. I'm excited. I've heard that. Uh, see, celebration Star Wars celebration was last weekend, which is the that's their what BlizzCon is what it is. Oh. Um, yeah, and I've been to two of them, which were really, really they're really cool. Um, and that's where they they show all this, just like BlizzCon. That's where they announce everything. Um, and I guess they showed the there's the Star Wars TV series they're gonna have. Well, TV it's the Disney Plus series called the mandalorian and it's um they showed a full trailer there and it was supposedly just as good if not better than this episode nine trailer and got huge results nice from it um so it's gonna be fun that'll be fun i'm excited about that um and i'm we'll see a lot more of those kind of things happen down the pipe for star wars star wars is not dead but this one (laughs) it's just it's just tangenting in a positive way I was always happy to see more of the old school cast sure. you know, transition in. I like the new cast. I like Oscar Isaac. I like Daisy Ridley. I like John Boyega. They're they're all great. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's neat to see a new story, and I'm I'll be happy to, for them to be done. Maybe make guest appearances here and there, but, <laughs> right? Uh, right, which is which is super neat. So Star Wars is going to be fun. It's it's transitioning into more of a Marvel universe type thing, which should have always done in the past. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think whatever blanket statement again is not stu- super Star Wars fan. I think they shine the brightest. I think the franchise shines the brightest in standalone stories. Mm-hmm. Although, even as I say that, like Empire Strikes Back is like its own, like it defines an entire type of movie. So maybe I'm sure. wrong about that. I don't know. I don't know it's great. It's all good movies. I'm I'm happy to have J.J. Abrams back in this one. Yeah, yeah, he he makes yeah. good stuff. All right, let's talk about our weekly challenge, our 2020 challenge. This week was uh, the 1975 Steven Spielberg classic, one of his first films. Actually, he did like one theatrical film before this and two tv films did he do um, like american graffiti or something before this i think or that was uh, i i don't i don't have that information sure, at the sure. top of my brain uh jaws jaws a sh- a shark and a guy who's shark. afraid of water shark so so jaws what do we uh you liked this before right 
Like, you were a fan of Jaws. I, no, I don't think that I've ever seen it all the way through. I'm, oh, al- okay. I'm almost so certain I thought, that I have not. I thought you were giving me a hard time last week when I was like, oh, Jaws. Because I, I had a mixed feelings about Jaws. Uh, I didn't see, I don't know if I've seen Jaws all the way through either. I think I've seen bits and pieces. It was out in 1975. I was born in 1975. <laughs> so it was old when I even could watch it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, and then you can't watch this as a kid. Um, no. So no. it's it's good, right? I mean, it's got its oldness to it. 1970s people are just whacked. Right, right. And and people who live in Martha's Vineyard are the worst. Aren't the worst. It's all just terrible stuff. I mean, I know it's movies and it's not the real world, but I you've seen, you, there's so much of people in the 70s and 60s and before we were like oh, why are you just why were the people why was the why were mayors so terrible no. <laughs> so i have a couple of uh i don't know overall observations i was going to say hot takes that's just sort of what they are but overall observations um there's a weird like complete tonal shift between and and setting and everything it's almost like two different movies actually it reminds me a little bit of the movie meg that we saw last year i don't mean the first half and the second half the first half and the second half i don't know if that is somewhere like it's i guess it's part of the three act like the first two acts are the all of the beginning stuff and then the whole third act is the stuff on the boat um Mm -hmm. I was like, it's actually what I remember this movie the most is that I was like, I don't remember most of the first half just when they're on the just boat. Just remember the stuff on the boat, and I'm like, could they have done the whole movie on the boat? I don't think it would have had the same gravitas because here was what was interesting to me about the first two. I'm I'm going to just describe it that way: the first two acts. Um, you go a long, long time before seeing the shark. I don't think you see the shark at all, really. Until the boat, until the third act. Oh no, you see it. You see it. it I, I was really wanting to comment on this. Is that I mean, I'm it's not counting. Very intentional, right? I'm not counting like the the other shark that they catch, or the times you see just a fin, or like a splash and explosion of blood. Like the first time you see the full shark up close, that's all in the third act. So no, 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 that's not true. When his son is attacked, remember there was in the in the estuary in the the pool um it's when there was the the boys that did the fake shark which those right. white jerks they yeah, should be like yeah. put in prison as seven-year-olds <laughs> um but when they do that that like jaws is like ah, i faked you and took you out over here like he eats the guy and you see the shark just under the water like you see his whole like body and his that's head right and his you, eyes. you see like through the water an impression of a shark yeah and that right there was like when i started watching that i wanted that's what i wanted to bring up to you is like I thought that was so ingenious. You don't see him. You just see little bits all the way up into that point. And here you don't see him, all of him. You're just like, oh, my God, that dude, that thing is terrifying. And, and so just and so there's all him. this there's all this stuff we just said about the people and the, the stuff about the people that most annoyed me, although I being who I am can, you know, sympathize with their point of view. Right. Like they're yeah, sure. they're living on an island that has no industry except tourism. And so. You know, shutting down the beaches is a massive, like, you know, it's like at some point somebody had that line of dialogue, like you'll live on welfare all winter. Yeah, no, it's not just it's not just shutting down the beach. It's on the 4th of July weekend. Right. They're big, 
big like it's like christmas cash weekend that floats them all year yeah, um, you can't shut down the malls at christmas and so there's that but all the stuff of like people on the beach screaming and panicking like i get why that's frustrating but you know because of the way that i look at movies or whatever like from the very beginning from the first uh scene with the girl where she's just like dragged around at the surface i was like that's not really how sharks work which is i'm not right. an expert on sharks but i think that's right. probably mostly true for this whole movie almost sure. none of it is how sharks actually work but um sure. from that point on until the third act when you really see the shark out of the water and it's really you know overtly aggressive and all this kind of stuff it it all felt like let's see how much tension and stress and like thriller movie kind of tension that we can build without ever showing the shark. Right. Which he did a good job of because in 1975, it was really hard to show a shark. Like we, we have CGI. Now we forget, you know, mm -hmm. how hard it was to do special effects with practical effects and animatronics and, and all, especially in the water, which probably helped in some ways and hurt in other ways like mm -hmm. once you see the shark like it becomes a different movie and the sharks kind of you know they have to they have to raise the stakes by showing it eating a guy or whatever um but it's all just like it's all just people acting and reacting and a lot of camera work you know quick flashes tight shots they do the dolly zoom the you know the first time Yep. Somebody sees a because we all see the first girl get attacked, but nobody else does. Yeah, none of the characters do. And the first time the um, brutally attacked, the main character sees that kid getting attacked. They do the the dolly zoom, which is a big, you know, yep. moment. Um, yeah. So that was my one sort of big observation between, um, between the, those. Yeah, I, 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 I got to say that I felt, I felt the, the tension. I mean, I. I'm a guy who likes the ocean and has been out there, but I, I'll admit that <laughs> I've had an experience in my life where I've been out in the wild with a large creature coming out of nowhere next to me. Large creature, the size of a shark. Yeah. And, and it is terrifying. It is terrifying. And I'm not into that. so, yes. Yeah, it's not. And to, so even to this day, when I go out in the water, I'm brave. I'm fine. There's a thousand people out here, but still, <laughs> I, I still feel that fear that I did not have when I was younger and had that experience. So watching this show, you know, I've been out there in the water kind of alone floating and enjoying myself in, in the waves. Um, and it's, it's to have that feeling next to you, like a fish comes and swims by and, you know, you're out in the world. Uh, so it was scary. There was, it was, it brought in uh, an, an unease, while watching this show of, oh man, this is, I don't like this. I don't like that. You know, th when they start dragging her around or you'd see, they actually showed a, what a leg fall to the bottom of mm -hmm. the water. And you're like, oh man, that's one that's, of the, you, one ugh. of the, one of the other moments where that, like, let's build the tension without any special effects. Um, moments to me is when they in, not right when they introduce, but early on in the Hooper Hopper, the, Hooper, the yeah. biologist character Hooper. when he's doing the autopsy sort of yeah like you don't see anything like eventually yeah. they have a fake arm but 
you just get him describing it and and, simi- he's, and his reactions yeah like similar to like people people would say um stuff about how red the blood was in the, the movie psycho which was black yeah. and white right. right like you see his reaction and you hear the things that he's describing and you picture it in your mind yeah in a way that if they had shown you know what was supposed to be a mutilated corpse in 1975 you would have been like okay yeah that's clearly plastic or yeah whatever like it's I mean, so they, much they more effective that, without yeah. it they show that dead guy in the boat and you're like oh fake right, right you know under, right. underwater but but you're right when he says like the first thing he says is there's no organs left to to speak yeah of. And, and you're like oh god she is ripped open you start seeing you know these these horrible terrible things uh, Another and, nice um, subtle touch I thought is when they're first loading up the boat and the um, Quint character, as I called him, the salty sea dog, is that guy is the worst. He's just he's just making endless, uh, you know, as people used to say, curse like a sailor. Like he's making all of those inappropriate sailor jokes. Um, uh, he's the worst in this whole. But show. they they do this bit where he's making a list. Right of all the stuff that he needs. Well, first the scientist is making his list. Hooper, right? Uh, right. He's making his list of all this, right? Like scientist kind of gear that he's got. And can we say a young Richard Dreyfus? Holy cow! Right, right. And the Quint character is making his list of like fishing stuff. We're going to need these harpoons and these barrels and this rope and these mm-hmm. things. And you know the other guy's got diving gear and stuff. And they do that to, like, emphasize the contrast between these two guys as if they needed any more of that. Right. And then um, the main uh, chief, what's his name? I just watched uh, this and I forgot everyone's um, name. Chief Brody? Brody. And he's with his wife and she's like, did you bring Dramamine? What about Tylenol? And right. they, it's like, like, they do the bit with the first two. And then there's this guy's list, which is... It's not as much of a list, but it's still like emphasizing the um, the difference the between these two, between... these three characters. So that then, when you get to the conclusion of the film, they become almost on equal footing through this right. shared uh, um, trauma. Right. Yeah. That I, I can. Can we say just just to put it on the record, like everyone else says? I mean, this is a this is not the same movie without Steven Spielberg, right? Like at all. No, the, no. I mean, right. no, it would. No one could could make it. It would did. be relegated to the, to the, you know, stacks of crappy, mediocre thriller films that were made in the seventies. Yeah, the, the, this is as we keep you know huge, massive fans of Spielberg. He's definitely. I mean, he's not my top director. He's definitely up there, pretty damn far. Sure. That that uh, you know he can make him take a b movie thing or c or d movie thing and make it like wow that's amazing and it doesn't even have to have lines the lines are there and they can be corny as all get out but <laughs> he can be like okay well we'll say this line and then i'm going to show 15 minutes of scenery that's that will drive your emotions or you know he's just so good at so many things well and, this movie and, so, and like we've said in the like i've said in the past when we've talked about other spielberg films where He's telling a simple story or a human right. story inside yes. of a fantastic story. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this has that where the main character, Chief Brody, is afraid of the water. You never really find out why, but it makes it difficult for him to do his job and be the police chief on an island. He um, says that he says that he almost drowned when he was a kid. Is what he yeah, said. yeah. Like right. we don't. I don't think we ever get any more details on that. We get no more than that, right? But he overcomes that fear, right? But that's not what the movie is sold as. The movie is sold as a movie about a shark. And so it's similar to what he would go on to do later with movies like Jurassic Park. It's just maybe a little more on the nose with this one because he hadn't right. he hadn't fully developed that uh, storytelling skill. Right. So where do, where do you put this on our on our our end end of the the segment? All right, so scale. let's let's put this movie in the box on the list of uh, bucket list movie, good movie, or a movie you can skip. It's a good uh, movie. Uh, you can watch it once. Yeah, I this is definitely bucket list movie for me. If you have issues with sharks or water or the ocean or you know, you don't like thrillers or really stressful kind of movies. Uh, you can pass on this. If you are at all interested in the history of film and filmmaking and storytelling through the medium of film, this is definitely worth watching. Like it's a it's a piece of history in the uh, the amount of storytelling and the amount of information and emotion that could be conveyed with such limited special effects. Yeah. I mean, a lot of special effects for the time, you know, the the dolly zoom and all of the shark stuff you see in the third act, like there's a lot of it that you can tell is fake, but most of it feels real. And so there's some level of special effects, but he still spent two entire acts or at least, you know, half the movie conveying all that emotion without any of that. Yeah, and and I actually think that this is this could go either way, but I think that if you do have those fears that Dennis mentioned before, that it actually makes the movie a little better because <laughs> the, the, some of the reasons we watch these shows are to be scared. I mean, you watch it, you watch a scary movie, and if you're not scared while watching a scary movie, it's not a good movie, right? Right, and and if and if you're if you're watching a shark movie and sharks are nothing to you, then this is not as interesting. But if you have just a little bit of like the ocean is a little scary and sharks are kind of scary thing, then this makes it better because you are scared. It generally <laughs> I, I just mentioned that I had that kind of a fear watching. This was not a great thing because it was a little stressful, but it was satisfactory. I mean, spoiler alert here. They killed the shark and that made me good. And like you said, they had a bonding thing and it was a thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he so, overcame his fear and he overcame his fear. So the, the, the fact that I did have those tense things about sharks were added to it. So all around, it's a good, it's a bu- bucket list was the one what, where you can watch it once and you're yeah. good with it. Yeah. That's where I put it too. Yeah. Uh, I won't put this on my list of things to go, must go out and buy. So I can watch it many <laughs> times for no reason. Right. It's just, it tells a story and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we got next week? All right, next week it's uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic, The Terminator. The Terminator. I I, I love these shows. I like I, this second I one. I saw this once years ago. I kind of would have rather watched two. 
But yeah, I wonder why the this one's on there. Is the second one on this list? No, I looked, but wow, the second one is is the better of the two. If, if we have the time, maybe we should just watch them both. How do you feel about yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, if I if I can, I I wouldn't mind watching the second one because it's got a week. It's cool and fun. we'll see. Yeah, the, the first one has a lot of hokey uh, special effects. Yeah, yeah, some claymation it, stuff. Yeah, it does. Uh, or so we'll stop motion, to... I should say. Claymation is a specific. Yeah. Thing. Um, and the second one's got John Connor in it, actually. But so mm-hmm. this is going to be t- kind of timely because I think they just finished the um, the new Terminator coming out, and it it's supposed to take place with uh, Sarah Connor. Okay. And this movie's about Sarah Connor. She's one of the main ones. So this is up to like five. Oh, I have no idea. I I, I wasn't a big hater on all the rest of them. I thought they were all fine with what they are. I mean, I've seen six, most of them. I watched movies. some of the series with uh, Summer Glau. Um, I heard that was great. I did not see that one. I, I didn't see all great. of it, so it must not have been particularly amazing to me. But right, yeah, right. it was okay. Yeah. Well, so I, it's been a long time since I've watched this one. It'll be good to see. Um, like I got to say, like I watch, I'm watching all these. I want to watch them as if I was watching it now. Is it entertaining? Hmm. So because I've not seen it in a while, I'd like to see if if I should tell people, oh, do you like Terminator? Terminator's amazing <laughs> you know, or or not. So this will be a good. I'm glad we are kind of now doing the first one. So I'll see that one. All right. Cool. All right. We got just a little bit of time. Let's talk about uh, the premiere of season eight of Game of Thrones. Oh, OK. I like how you, you take it to the end here so they don't have a limited time to, to go on about it. Yeah. So if you're <laughs> if you don't want to be spoiled, I, you can just you know stop your and if you want to come back and hear our reactions and hot takes you definitely can and should yeah uh so it it was quick i i wish it was longer than 50 minutes i would have liked to have seen an hour and a half episode do the same things that they did but in an hour and a half um what would they have done differently spent some more time with sam and john maybe uh yeah i mean the real like there's so much episode in this episode, but then at the same time, there were several points where they had like long lingering shots, like right before. Uh, okay. If you're still here and you're get out and you haven't if seen like, don't, right before, right before Theon rescues Yara, um, which happens fast. It happens fast, but they show the exterior of the ship. It might not even be that like right before they show Yara and Euron interacting, they show the ship, for a, what feels like a long time. Yeah. I don't know if you caught this when we were watching it, because we we watched it together with our friends last night. Um, mm-hmm. It was like they lingered on that exterior ship shot for like, it felt like like 15 or 20 seconds. <laughs> which is not a lot of time, but it is in screen time. Uh, and maybe that's not the case. It just felt that way. Well, they, that, that happened. See, when I said it could have gone longer, that's something they could have done. They could have done a little bit more where... They rescued her. It just felt like while that was 20 seconds of them lingering on that ship, it was only like 45 seconds for the rest of the. the, Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, this is the kind of thing that this show has done all the way through. One of the differences we talked about pacing at the beginning of the podcast. um, One of the things they do a lot of now that I, I feel like is a, is a whatever benefit of the cast getting older Right, it's really hard for children to act convincingly with any amount of subtlety, right? But the cast <laughs> right. are all now mostly adults. The adults that were 
in their early 20s are now in their late 20s. Um, and so they can, they're, they've all gotten so much better at what a lot of people call face acting. Yeah. Right? Where we don't need, we don't need any dialogue between um, uh, Sansa and Daenerys. Right? Like, yeah. but there can be a little bit, there could be a couple words. Like which they only have a few. And welcome to King's yeah. Landing, Your Grace. But Sophie Turner and Amelia Clark can convey so much with like looks and glances and the there, way their eyes move something... and the way their mouths move and all of that like nonverbal communication or face acting. Well, there there's something to be said about acting. What you're trying to say here, but I want to. I want to get your take on this because I don't think either of us think that Sophie Turner is a good actress in general. She's an okay, but anything else I've seen her in, she's only been just middling. Sure. This one, she has amazing things that she does and it's the face <laughs> acting or the shot. I wonder, is there like coaches? Is this directing that matters a lot? Are they giving her the, like, I'm sure that she has a lot of coaching the- because her, her character has become very important in the story. I think that she's, uh, this is, I mean, you just asked me this, so this is my hot take reaction. Mm-hmm. I think she's her acting is better when she's not talking. Because a lot sure. of her talking and lines is not like she, she... I don't know. I won't say that they're not convincing. It just doesn't really work. And I've not seen her in much else. There are at least two or three of those X-Men films I've not seen. Um, so I don't sure. really have any basis of comparison other than this show. Well, um, she, she, I'll tell you what. She has... She has some shots with her, her eyes that she looks. And every time that, that she was on the screen with Daenerys, I think the whole room was like, ooh, type thing, <laughs> uh, which was pretty great with just words. And she just said a few words, actually, to, to Tyrion that, that, you know, and they all were very pointed and mattered. But she, that character keeps feeling like a villain to me every time. I mean, and I don't know why. Santa? Every time she, yeah, every time she talks. I think she doesn't sound like a villain, but every time she's on the screen, she feels like a villain. Sure. And and I don't know why, but... Yeah. I, I forgot to say this last week um, because I was not fully in the headspace prepared for crazy fan theories. Um, my crazy fan theory for season eight, which is... I'm fully admitting I'm calling it a crazy fan theory. So oh, this is your, don't your, at me. Your, your shipping is what you're doing here again. Right? Yes. I want to see... I want to see Sansa and Tyrion uh, r- restore their their relationship, and their marriage. I think I that would be. See, I just don't. Cool. I just don't see that it's going to happen. Though. I just, it's 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 not going to happen. But I mean, one that Sansa and Tyrion Tyrion are both going to die. So you just got to accept that. Yeah, probably. I, I and mean, that's what I mean. It's not going to happen. But like. On the off chance that it does, I want to come back here in two months and be like, hey, Mike, so. remember what I said back in back in the beginning of April when season yeah, started? That's true. You got you got to say it out front first. I'll, right. I'll get a get an air horn sound effect to put into the post post. We'll get buried. I, to I, add I, that in. I think that there's a really good chance that, that she will die in Winterfell. She will stay with her family, stay with the sure. thing. She'll die there. But she could go south. Um uh, we all know we are all accepting Winterfell is going to Winterfell is going to fall, right? We know that. Um, oh yeah, almost almost definitely. Yeah, and and that'll and that we have to come because we have I to get that, back uh, to the south. 
yeah, we get back to the South, and Cersei's going to matter in the end. I mean, Cersei's going to be her evilness is going to be the most important thing. Okay, how about how about the long play setup of how do we get John to find out that he's a Targaryen? Okay, well fast. first, first Sam figures out one piece, and Bran figures out another piece, and they come together and get the whole picture themselves. Sure. Then we have Danny execute Sam's father and brother for right. for you know not kneeling, not bowing, Danny and right, yeah. and also have Sam heal Jorah. Jorah talks to Danny. Danny goes and meets Sam. And like, they're all happy scene. And then she's like, "Oh, your your father's not Randall Tarley." Yeah, I killed him. And I murdered and him his like his reaction to that, like we don't always we don't see a lot of that character. Like we haven't seen him in a while. Do I mean? I guess we have. You just don't think about him because he's Sam. Right. Um. The actor did great. He right? acts so well in that scene. You see his like, he's a little. He's a little sad finding out uh, finding out about his dad because he had a really tr- troubled relationship with his father. But then his brother, like, like he he wasn't friends with his brother because his brother got all the attention from the father. But he still didn't he didn't have the same animosity toward him that he would have that he had toward his father. Yeah, Dickon was still a good good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so just just crushed, and he's like, okay, I gotta. I got to tell John. And then Kit Harrington, who also has had some points in time where his acting is not great when he was younger, early on in this show. Um, that whole scene in the crypts where he finds out who he is, we get a little bit of, of Sam talking, but most of that scene, the cameras focus on John and him yeah. reacting to all this. And I love, I loved the, the logical, like, way that that played out where he's like if it felt really rushed and you like you feel the emotion of sam like he's telling him but he's he's so upset he's just like you've been a king this whole time and i'm like what a rough way to deliver this information but he does and so john is like there has to be some part of him that like suspects that he's something significant because he's ridden a dragon earlier that day which he didn't pick up on it at all. Like, he know, didn't, the, the, and neither did Danny. But it's like something subconsciously that he knows, but that consciously can't accept, right? Because of right. his relationship with her and like all that compl- complexity. And so he, you know, he throws back like Ned Stark was such an honorable man that he got killed in season one because he couldn't deal with all this backstabbing, subtle politics. And so right. he's like, you're going to tell me Ned Stark lied to me my entire life and sam like you know lobs it right back at him he's like ned stark the most honorable man any of us know he didn't say it that way that's the way i'm saying it made a promise to his sister to protect you from robert baratheon and that's what what he did did your whole life it's like just it's good it's really good but like that all like all of those all those parts were put into place last season and of course you know the martin in the books all the way back right. setting up john as this quote-unquote bastard who's never been a bastard yeah. um 
but the way that the show writers conveyed that information to us was all like set into place with all of these various like you wouldn't think that her that Daenerys executing his father would matter to John right right I I think I think that uh the the most interesting thing of all of that that you just described here with the Danny and the and the Sam and the John interplay here mm-hmm. um is to me uh, is this there was I was listening to NPR today and they kind of were doing a light overview of the thing saying and somebody he the, the phrasing he said was um Sam says you know would she, he says something to the effect like would she do it would you know would she commit herself to you the way th- right that you right the way you did to her. To her that's the that's the big picture implication and part of john's conflict especially when sam points it out to him it's like they're in this whole political uh a conflict between survival and loyalty of the north to their own people and yeah that's what sam says to him like you gave up yeah. your crown for her would she do it for you? Right. Well, the the thing on the, the NPR article that was interesting, the guy kind of glanced quickly over is, but I think it's important is what he said was um, that we are seeing that Daenerys is a good leader, but she ha- is maybe too ruthless of a leader to for the Seven Kingdoms. Well, and, es- and we especially know in the mind of Sam, who all he really knows about her is that she's friends with Jorah. And that she executed his father and brother. But it's not just Sam. That's that's kind of what they've been doing last season and this season is that it's not just Sam. It's all of Westeros. She's a foreign invader. And, right. and everyone in the North, especially in this episode, is does not like her. Is totally they're totally for John. And they keep saying it like every fifteen minutes how no one in the North wants her to be queen. Well and she it's a- and she is very much like so I will kill dragons, will eat whatever they want to eat, and I am the queen and you will deal with me type stuff. She's a very ruthless, hard-nosed leader. Right. And in previous seasons, when she was executing slavers, everybody was fine with that. But they established right. early on the character or the the culture of the North, right? When the Game right. of Thrones broke out and, you know... Uh, Robert Baratheon said, I should be king. Renly Baratheon said, I should be king. Lannisters were like, no, my children are, are kings. Um, and, and all of that stuff broke out. The North said, uh, no, we don't, we don't want to be, we don't even want to be part of the Seven Kingdoms. Like all the other right. kings wanted to be kings of the Seven Kingdoms, which is a weird, you know, t- turn of phrase, like King of Kingdoms. But the North were like, screw you guys. We're going to go back to being independent. Yeah. Right. Well, they're the, they're the Confederacy of uh, Westeros. Sure. Well, well, Danny is, and I, I think when we all look back on this one, we will look and see Danny as a very aggressive, ruthless is the right word leader. And, and because if you go watch her scene, and I've been watching seasons uh, six and seven. I mean, she has some uh, good again. scenes with Tyrion in season yes. seven where he calls her out on that. He's like, yes, look, exactly. You, you can do this, but you're going to, you know, you're never going to win hearts and minds. And she does that a lot. Like she wants to go in and kill and just murder the slavers. And she wants to go in and attack all the time. That's her mm-hmm. instinct to do. And, 
And there's so many times where he's like, oh, I can't believe she just did that. And and you see it <laughs> as strength, but it's not a, a thing that in, in Westeros works so well. And what actually what Westeros does need is a John. They needed they needed a, a Ned and a John to, to run this world. And that's what I think is going to be really important in the rest of the season is we're going to really see this probably next episode where she finds out and she refuses to you know, she give up her crown or do anything like that. And it's going to be a big fight. And I'm hoping that eventually they become this, this king and queen where she has this strong, ruthless strength. And he has this leadership that everyone wants to follow mm-hmm. and, th- and they need to bend the knee kind of to each other type thing. Right. Uh, so like he has already done it to her and she does need to do it to him and i think all of us as viewers need to accept that danny needs to turn and bend the knee to john the same way he bend the knee to her right um and i hope that i hope that happens i hope they don't go cuz they could if it was martin writing this he would start another war he would start another <laughs> war between the north and danny and i don't i don't know like if they're if they're king and queen their aunt and nephew married targaryen incest style that's that's fully that's, very, that's 100 right. martin that's very that's very martin by the way we ended that that day with uh all of us in that room watching that show we we agreed that what matters is if the two of them are down with incest right that's that's what's gonna that's i mean that's the real question that's the real question if john's okay with it being his aunt and she's okay with it being his, her nephew this show will work out in a positive way you know, Michael I mean, Daniels what, kind of way. What but. do they say? Oh, it's not. I keep thinking it was her line, but it's something that Cersei says, which is not really a virtuous uh, flaws. But the, the Targaryens wed brother to sister for generations, which is how they ended up with an insane king. But right. uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not for the incest thing. That's not at all. But it's just the, like it's already established in this show that this this is where this world works. He's only half Targaryen. His other half is Stark. Is Stark. Right. right. And she, well, she's half Targaryen, half something else, too. I mean, uh, or she, no, she, she's full Targaryen. I think she? she's full. I don't know who her mother is. Right. But we assume because they all inbreed. We assume, yeah, it's a cousin or right. something. And we did say that she's already thought and assumed that she was going to marry um, her brother. Right. We thought Viserys, that was, before yeah. he marries her off to Khal Drogo at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Right. That was what her life was going to be, was going to be married to him. So, so we know she's down. It just depends on John. If, if he's down or if he even thinks about it. Beyond that. Uh, and can we can we conclude this discussion here with agreeing the fact that Bran is just the creepiest guy ever? So creepy. So creepy. Oh, my God. And that actor I did is have, not so I, great. I did, have, I did have one more bit about John and Danny in that okay. They have the song of ice and fire. Uh, of right, Stark, Stark and Targaryen, like he's right. half Stark, half Targaryen, like even just in him without Danny in that story. Yeah, yeah. Bran, all episodes, like he's just creepily lurking in corners the way that, you know, Littlefinger used to do, except he never says anything. Oh, and he just stares like he just. I I did love the payoff, and I, I might have been the first person to recognize that in the room where Sam comes up to him when he tells Sam that he has to go tell John that he's a Targaryen. And he's like, what are you doing out here? And he's like, I'm waiting for an old friend. And then at the very end of the episode, Jamie shows up and he's got his hair dyed black and he's got a beard. And he sees Bran. Bran sees him. I mean, obviously Bran sees him. But mm-hmm. he sees Bran watching him. And you're like, oh, he has not seen Bran since he pushed him out the window in the very first episode. 
Right. Back in 2011, the things I do for love. Right. Push. But, but you know, you know, uh, what's funny about that is this is, that's very much TV writer thing again, is that, uh, he talks to Sam about waiting for a friend out there at nighttime. And, uh, the Kingslayer comes in the daytime. So what Rand was out there all night waiting for Jamie to come. Uh, I mean, it all depends on the next day. It's like he can see everything, but he can't really see everything. So he knows Jamie's on his way, but he doesn't know when. So just every day he's sitting out there in the courtyard. Oh, I see. Still that, that kid is, that kid is just, I mean, he was creepy in the, in the last season. He's still creepier now. Yeah. And not, a, not in a cool, creepy way either. Just Who like knows a, what they're going to do with that character? I mean, he I was, don't even know. Who he was cares? pretty. He was pretty clutch in the trial of Littlefinger, right? Okay. Yes. That maybe that's his whole. <laughs> when all arc that's going down, and Littlefinger starts lying, and he's like, "You did this. You said this. You held a knife to his throat and said, I did warn you not to trust me because everybody remembers that freaking moment from season one.'" Right. <laughs> yeah, I, that I, was, I feel that Brand's Brand's uh, importance to the story is done. He has told us about. He's, he told us about like where the night. He's like a plot. He's like a narrator. He's like an yes. NPC the DM puts in to like give information to the players. Oh yeah, like we we learned about the past. We learned about the the Night King. We learned in the creation yep. of the, the Walkers things yet we, to come. Yeah, and we learned about um, John's lineage, and now Un- that's done. Brandon, unless has no like other function. unless like the Children of the Forest still have some part to play. Which nah, I doubt it. is all that like set up all the magic stuff in the beginning and then ignore it for four books. Yeah, and that's what six seasons. I think it'll all ignore it. They'll just have some kind of big fight at the end, and I don't think that. Yeah, maybe I don't think that'll matter. Who knows? Um, Who knows? Who knows? But anyway, brand creepy. Yes. Yep. For sure. Not have any more of him anymore. And you know what? I'm, I'm not even. I don't even care about him and Jamie. Like Jamie's gonna walk up. Hopefully, he'll, hopefully it'll be like thirty seconds. He's like, sorry, sorry, kid. He's like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot. I mean, we didn't even talk about uh, Bronn, right? Like, no, yeah, Bronn. What, Bronn what is not. Bronn is not. Bronn is just going to come back on the other side. I mean, they'll they'll play it off some other way, but there is no way. I mean, Bronn is gonna he's going to kill somebody. I don't think he kills Jamie or Tyrion. I mean, maybe he kills Cersei. Oh, but. see, I ca- I came out and already said I I put my my two coppers on Arya killing Cersei. Oh, that's right. That's right. That yeah, is I, that is probably more likely. I, I think, matter of fact, I think that it will be a like Cersei getting away, squirming out of it at the last minute, and then she'll come around a corner, and there's Arya standing there, and she's like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I'm gonna kill you," and no one's around. It's just maybe me. maybe he kills Euron. I feel like he has to kill somebody important. That would be great. I, I could I could see Euron dying. I'm a, I'm already tired of Euron. I would long time ago like and they, they let him sleep with Cersei. I'm like, oh, this is that was. I was hoping yeah, he would have been like, I'm going to go. It's a, a, it's a weird, and... like, I don't know what they're doing with the Cersei storyline. Like, I would have been fine, like, doing everything in the North and ignoring Cersei. Like, maybe you do the stuff with the uh, with the Greyjoys because that's probably their next point of retreat. Yeah. Uh, when Winterfell falls. But uh, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're going to, they're definitely long playing Cersei. I think this episode when she was on is just a, like, hey, remember she's down here because she'll be important in the next, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. the last three or four episodes, you know. Uh, but just remember she's here. Remember she's here. Yeah, that's about yeah. it. All right. That's All right, enough let's game move, we've, for us. I've, I've more thoughts on, on Sansa and uh, <laughs> Tyrion. Because she has that line with Tyrion because Tyrion 
trusts Cersei, and Sansa, after spending all this time with Littlefinger, is like, "Are you serious?" Yeah, like right? I thought like, you were the cleverest. She's man a completely different person than she, when she, who she was when they were married. Anyway, uh, you've been listening to Front Porch's episode eighty-six. Thanks as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News. If you check them out, they won't be talking about Game of Thrones. They'll be talking mm-hmm. probably about Avengers Endgame. Endgame coming up. Yeah. Uh, if you like Star Trek or role playing or Star Trek role playing, you can check out our other show, KlingonsAndDragons.com. It's a couple of weeks behind now. We play Star Trek adventures and make mom jokes. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. If you have questions or comments on the show, you can tell us your crazy fan theories about um, the star wars what is this, episode nine or yeah. uh game of thrones you can email us front porch pod at gmail.com if you go to our website front porch podcast.com we got contact forms our 100 movie uh 2020 challenge schedule if you enjoy the show you can subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or overcast thanks as always for joining us and until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael for the front porch hi guys See you next time.